there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for over two decades now. And for about half of that time, he's been buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, Drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so a bit of a special episode for you today and a welcome return to our JREP panel members. You haven't seen them for a while. We got together with a very cool young man by the name of Garth who asked to come on the panel and hit us all up with some questions. So he used to live in Japan, married a Japanese woman, and now wants to come back here to live somewhere around Tokyo for a start. And he's also hoping to get into real estate here in Japan. So the conversation went from very high-level financial life planning lines of conversation down to more practical medium tracks such as how to work in the real estate sector here in Japan, what does the work entail, the level of certifications and Japanese language required, um, how to stand out from the competition, build good business relationships and so forth. And then down to nitty-gritty details related to property investment and home purchases. So... Everything from loans, how to apply for them, how to qualify for them, how much to borrow and when, as well as a very detailed conversation on budgets, yields, locations, property and tenant profiles, um, leasehold versus freehold, real yield versus projected yield, uh, long-term versus short-term rentals, all of the stuff that we always discuss here on the podcast. And then back to higher level business and relationship stuff again, such as just doing the work that you love owning your professional niche, learning to keep an open mind, but also learning when to say no to things and how to make sure your money is always working for you. So really good conversation, a bit longer than usual, but well worth it in my opinion. Enjoy the episode and I'll see you again on the other side. Ready? There we go. Okay. The Japan Real Estate Experts Panel back in session. We've got a special guest with us today. Um, but we'll do a short round of intro for the three of us, maybe the four of us if Emil joins us. And then we'll get into a lengthy intro for you, Garth. So, Tracy, kick it off. Sure. Thanks, Dev. Um, I am the short-term rental or minpaku um, expert. So I've been doing minpaku in Tokyo for 10 years. I've been through all the regulations. Um, I'm a minpaku kandi, um, which means I have a property management license. I also am licensed for all the different houses that we rent. I do short and medium term furnished rentals um so vacations relocations and um and uh, people on a work trip like contracts for example so yeah um family stays so that's that's what i do 
short-term state queen, Blanca. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Blanca Kobayashi, and I'm the co-founder and marketing director of Art Reform. We are a bilingual reform company in Tokyo and in Matsudo. We go basically all over Kanto area, and we can do your reform and assist you with both your uh, personal or your commercial properties in English or in Japanese or in some few other languages if need be and you know help you navigate through that because it can get really stressful so we are here for you. Thank you and I'm Ziv Nakajimam again and um, for the past 11 years my partner and I have been running Nippon Tradings International NTI for short and we help people um, buy, sell, and manage properties anywhere in Japan, uh, whether they reside in Japan or overseas. And Garth, who the hell are you, man? Yes, right. Uh, good morning from Washington, D.C. It's currently like uh, 11.41 at midnight. Um, so looking wow, forward. Thank to you for uh, making it. Wow. Oh, no problem. You just made it earlier if I knew it was that late. I wasn't even looking. Oh, no, it's okay. This is great. I love it. Uh, it's so cool meeting like your heroes. And this is exactly <laughs> what this is. So I watch your, every episode that you uh, you all put out. So I was originally born and raised in Washington, D.C. Uh, I lived back in Japan from about 2010 to 2013. And then again, from 2018 to about early 2022. I lived in uh, Yokosuka area through the mm. military, as well as uh, Sasebo. And uh, my wife, she's from uh, Hiroshima, so we love Japan. We're going, we're going to move back there in about eight years. I uh, moved there permanently, and I have a whole plan listed out with questions uh, for each of you. And uh, looking forward to doing this. So thank you so much for setting this up. That's fantastic, and thank um, you so much. getting uh, getting a bit red around the uh, cheeks there. But thank you for <laughs> thank you for watching. I think we're awesome. glad that you're finding value in it. Huh? Um, people yeah, so five-year plans, just like people with five-year plans, like um, really amaze me. There's a, I've been speaking to a couple of people as well recently that have like, you know, we're going to be doing this in, you know, 2025. And I'm like going, oh my goodness, I don't even know what I'm going to do next week sometimes. <laughs> so all you've organized people really, really impressed me. So well, uh, the stuff, the stuff that you think you can control, right? Like if there's anything mm -hmm. like me, I don't know where I'm going to be in the world or what time I'm going to be waking up or what, you know, my house is going to look like, but I'm hoping to know how much money I'm going to have saved by then. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all prediction. Almost like a mill maiden. That yeah. I know. Yes. So. Hello. <laughs> Hey guys. Emil. Yeah, so shoot, man. Apologies for that. Oh, Emil, is he with us? Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Technical issues. My app was crashing, so I just had to reload. But anyway, I'm back, ready to go. How's hey, God, how are you doing, my friend? Good, doing great. How are you? Fantastic, fantastic. Very good to see you again. Yeah, very good seeing you as well. Very good. Are we just at the end. You were the one um, running late, Emil, because you already know Garth, right? You had a chat. Yeah, we did. We did uh, maybe a month ago or so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this so, is, Emil, this is do your intro. Too. Oh, okay. Um, so my name's Emil. I'm a real estate agent uh, based here in Tokyo. So I help families find their home um, in, in Tokyo. Um, we arrange the financing and do everything from start to finish. So we'll search for the, you know, find what you want to buy, um, your requirements, search for a house for you, um, take you to all the viewings and then make an offer, do all the negotiation, all the bank financing until you get the keys. So uh, that's, that's what we do. So if you have any, and we do it all in English. So Anyone who's interested in buying a house in Tokyo, their family home using Japanese bank financing, please uh, send me an email, sales at realestate.jp. That's our new email address. So please reach out. 
Thank you. And realestate.jp is also the sponsor for the inaugural February, inaugural February uh, first ever <laughs> Japan Real Estate Summit in Tokyo. So thank you for uh, thank you for the sponsorship as well. So Garth, you gave yeah. us a bit of a background on um, who you are and what you do, and then now we've got everyone here. So shoot, ask us yeah. anything. Okay, awesome. So yeah, the first question is um, my goal after the Navy. And I'm getting out of the Navy probably in about eight years from now. And I'm, I'm super serious about this. I'm going to move to Japan. Uh, initially, we'll probably settle in uh, Yokohama first, the Minato Marai area, just mm -hmm. to get the lay of the land and figure things out. Um, but my question is, what if you knowing what you all know now, what would be the steps to become like an effective real estate agent uh, to work in Tokyo? So um, right now I'm studying for the JLPT, but is there anything that I could do besides that in preparation um, to work in, in Tokyo specifically? Well, there's only one licensed real estate agent here, so we'll let him yes, take that Yes, that's going to be a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's a bit of a challenging question because there's so much you can do, but there's also so much that you only really learn once you get into it okay um realistically though so how the system works in japan is the agency is licensed and they have a licensed agent um like that prepares all the contracts so in japan the the agent's license is not like the us or australia we can kind of get it in one week's worth of you know study a short simple you know exam at the end and congratulations you're a broker um in japan being a licensed agent is like six to 18 months worth of serious study and it's a 15% pass rate okay so only 15% of applicants that like people that take the test actually pass and the test is held once a year okay it's it's a bit more like what um you would think a a attorney or a um, like a real estate attorney a real estate lawyer would be doing okay so they actually the agent in Japan will actually prepare all the documentation prepare all the contracts they go to city hall and um check if there's or check all the zoning the current codes any plan changes any um uh, developments expected in the area and what have you so there's quite a lot that it covers and it's quite an intense um uh so um intense certification mm -hmm. okay. so it's not something that and and in general the light the agency needs to have it they need to hire one person within the agency to have it the individual staff members do not need to acquire that license unlike in Australia and the US um where pretty much to act to do the sales sort of function or to, to introduce clients you need to have a broker's license that's they don't they don't require that in Japan the system is quite different okay because mm -hmm. it's quite complex to get so rather the um the as long as there's one licensed staff to do that paperwork the actual ad, uh, sales people don't need to do it so you don't need to focus on trying to get that certification okay that you like you can basically put that aside and think you don't need to worry about that what plus you, I, just to add the jlpt in itself is probably not going to be enough to get to wrap your head around the Japanese that's entailed in this in the literature studying for the test and in this test itself right yeah that's probably just a starting point I figure it's 
probably gonna get punched in the face once I actually get to Tokyo and then get to do the process initially. So that's what no, I mean. No, no. I mean specifically that because JLPT prepares you for daily life to work in a company for this is heavy legalese jargon, heavy gotcha. real estate stuff that you know, regardless of your level of native Japanese, until you've actually studied in the language, you know, you're just not gonna have an idea what they're talking about. Makes sense. Okay, gotcha. Um okay. but on but also in regards to what Ziv said, it's actually not. Like, don't let that be overly daunting. You don't need to know every kind of legalese or every kind of specific word because once you do it several times, you are, it's the same thing all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Legalese, it's, it's very finite just in the real estate world and it's always the same thing and always the same meaning. Okay. I don't so read any kanji, but the five or six that I always see, I can identify. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you can... <laughs> You like I can sort of teach you what's on the PDF flyer. Like you, you've probably seen those for sale flyers. It's a one-page PDF, and it has it explains all the details of the property, the size, the zoning, the regulations, like the building regulations within it, um, mm -hmm. uh, when it was built. So much information about the property, the sizing, etc. That's in Japanese. And to be honest, that's like that's a good chunk of the Japanese you need to know. So someone who's just done JLPT, like, you know, level one or level two, and you give them that flyer, they'll be like, ah, um, this is a bit complex. It's, it's just all of a sudden, it's like the JLPT is like, you know, you're reading articles and what have you. Right. Looking at real estate documents, a bit different. But if I take someone- Once like, you've you looked know, at a few of them, yeah. 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 <laughs> if I take someone who's only got level three or four and say, this is what- this means this is what that means boom, boom, boom. i can give you dozens of those documents and it's all exactly the same yeah so it's actually quite easy i think to get to understand the documentation but what you need to be good at rather is not there to, to function because realistically most of your clients will be foreign clients mm -hmm. okay? okay they're not going to send you to work with Jap native japanese there's no reason right. to right, right. is working with yeah. foreign clients like similar to what what i do um, so you, you need to be good at speaking English, which you are. The Japanese you need to know, a lot of what you'll do is actually searching on RAIN, searching on the database, understanding the client's needs, mm -hmm. and then finding the property. On, and RAIN's is equivalent to MLS, the, mul the multi-listing services that you guys have in the US. Mm -hmm. And it's a database with properties in different areas. Okay. So, to be, a, I think, a big part of being a good agent is actually being able to find properties that match the client's needs. Mm -hmm. And so having a good skill set in navigating reins, which again is a very, it's very fixed language, right? So it just, you know, the size, you're looking for the location, et cetera. That's a big one. But really the important thing is understanding the area and the location. And I think that goes the same with a lot of agents in a lot, like all over the world, is you need to know your area. You okay. need to be familiar with the area, um, you know, your particular suburb. So I'm, I know Tokyo very, very well. And even then, more so the west part of Tokyo, pretty much from like, you know, uh, Minataku, Chiyodaku, and then further west, right? Okay. Uh, um, yeah, like, oh, I guess further east it becomes like cheaper anyway, but yeah, I don't really do that far. Maybe uh, Blank is a bit more familiar with that side of town. Um, <laughs> But, but pretty much like the west part of Tokyo up to Tamagawa River and then across to Yokohama a little bit. I've done some clients on the other side of the Tamagawa River. Um, but 
like those areas, those train lines, okay, almost every stop, I know in the order of where, where all the stops are and all the, all the trains. Um, That's just like, turf, yeah. Yeah, well, there's, but there's only, you don't have to memorize them early on, but you need to be able to actually, like, I guess, kind of know, okay, these are the train lines and where they go from on the Yamanote line out mm -hmm. to where. Okay. And that way, when a client says, look, I need to be 30 minutes into Shibuya, without transfer you know okay these are the train lines popping out of shibuya right this is right. kind of where they go and then be able to tell okay well so let's look from this from shibuya on the nakashira line up to you know made let's look on the the um you know uh the gin uh well if you want to go in town ginza line goes in or the toshi line goes out to tamagawa toyoka line to yokohama I, I guess also garth before you go down the tokyo rabbit hole too much emil garth do, do you apologies know do you know roughly what kind of real estate job you want to do? Like, do you want to be a Tokyo agent dealing with, like Emil does, like, for example, with foreign families? Or do you do you have a specific, or you just want to get, you know, whatever kind of work experience that you can get first? Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so initially, I'll just jump in and I'll take, I'll take whoever at this point. And then I think once, just going back to what Emil said, I'll probably transition to like foreigner families and specialize into that while still, um, you know, keeping maintaining my Japanese proficiency and stuff. So whatever gets me through the door initially, I think I'll just probably end up sticking with. So if that makes any sense. But in, in, in and around Tokyo, like you're planning to stay in that yeah. area because you said you'll initially be living there, but we haven't heard if you have any other plans down the track because you said Hiroshima yeah. is where your wife is from, right? Right. Yeah. So um, like initially I want to live in uh, Yokohama to kind of like, get the lay of the land and like kind of train myself to get towards uh, Tokyo. And then um, what I'd like to do is buy like uh, an investment property when I first get to Yokohama in uh, Otaku, because just researching Otaku, which is like, it's a little bit above North of Kawasaki. It seems mm -hmm. like the one bedroom apartments there are really, really affordable um, in terms of uh, my budget or how much I want to spend um, because I want to spend like initially I want to have like about $400,000 US dedicated to this. And I want to buy a one bedroom apartment every four years and kind of try to leapfrog that investment money. Uh, but I mean, that's just hearsay. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think Otaku is a, is a good area or a Southern part of Tokyo is a good area? Tokyo Heights? <laughs> Uh, basically everybody except me basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say Tokyo it's really hard because Tokyo is not really one big city it's just a collection of villages and you're not really going to um know how you feel about something just by looking at a map you've got to live it you've got to sort of be in the you know okay. uh, be in the area to see whether or not that the commute is good for you or um you he's know. talking about an investment property though tracy he's talking about the play is it a good place to invest in right carl yes oh invest in for like for short-term rentals uh, uh yeah maybe like um i'm actually thinking about four years keeping it for about at least four years Maybe like a one bedroom. Yeah, well, I mean, oh, you mean investment? Sorry, you mean rules. investment? You want to buy a place for you to live in, and then oh, I'm what sorry. do you mean by investment property? 
Oh, to rent it out to people. So by long, uh, long-term, long-term rental, right? Long-term, long-term rental, rental or short-term yes, rental? Long-term rental. Yes, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so what did you mean by the four years? Oh, so I was going to buy that one-bedroom apartment and then rent it out to uh, tenants and then just main, like learn the ins and outs, like pretty much use that as a guinea pig. And I just want to work my way up to um, probably either Meguro, Tokyo, Nakameguro, or um, Kotoku, like somewhere within that area uh, to buy a, another apartment. But I initially, initially would start off in Otaku because it just seems okay. so, affordable right now. So, so the four years was to buy the next property. You didn't mean in four years you're going to do something else and kick the tenant out. You mean? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So four years to buy. So you're planning to basically set up an investment properties, long-term residential investment properties portfolio in and around the Tokyo area that you'll expand over time. Is that the idea? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And then you're asking if Otaku is a good potential tenant, long-term residential tenant investment area to get started on. Yes. Okay. So what's Otaku like for um, tenants, folks? Yeah, it's a pretty generic question. I'm, I'm maybe the, Maybe a better question would be like, is there any good initial area within Tokyo that you you all have seen that's like, oh, it's, it's a pretty good market for this low vacancy here. Tenants are pretty reasonable, stuff like that. There's a lot of vacancy everywhere. That we There's yeah. no housing crisis here. Um, there's a lot of vacancy everywhere. So I would say it depends on who you want to rent to. So yeah. if you're doing long-term rental, like, are you wanting to rent to students? Um, then you would obviously want to be close to a uni um, and a uni that takes in foreign students, for example. Or are you wanting to, you know, if you're wanting to rent to, you know, uh, to expats, so for, like, someone coming in for two years or paying, a, you know, the corporate rates, then you want to kind of be around about the Minato-ku area. That's where, you know, that's where expats tend to live. Um, it's really, again, it, it depends on who you want to rent to. Um, okay. He's talking about a single better, I, I guess, budget-wise, that's why you're mentioning single, that you're looking yeah, at studios single or single bed. bed. And you said $100,000, right? Uh, for that initial um, investment, yes. Yeah, so that's what, 15, 14, 14 million yen. At the moment, yeah. At the moment, moment yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plus, minus. You definitely have to go outskirts of Tokyo. You, in my you can't be, you can't be done. You know, and and even even look, you know, don't be afraid of looking, you know, Chiba yeah. or Kawasaki or, or even Saitama places City like, or Yokohama Central. Yeah, yeah Yokohama Central, like anything, like anything close to the Yamanote line yeah. is just is just. Uh, I think it's going to be. You're not going to get anything for that hundred and, you know, 14, 14 million. So. Um, well, Emil will know better how the prices for those units are, but I think if I was, if I had 14 million yen to buy a property, buy an apartment, I would probably like, I live, we live in Matsudo and I would, I know that if I bought something in Matsudo for 14 M, I can actually get get uh, a decent decent unit. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, um, you buy in Matsudo are 35 minutes. You are 30 minutes to Tokyo Station on the quick line. You are you are 40 minutes to Shinagawa immigration. I mean, it's like the connection over there is good. So 
I would not really focus at that point, probably in Tokyo, but even if you are, then just make sure that you are getting something decent because 14M is not going to probably get you the best unit in Tokyo and you will have to invest in renovations. You will have to hire me. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They come with fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know. They're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but longer term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a Japanese business hotel. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home, with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, etc. You definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit, or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. I don't know if he can afford you with that budget, Blanca. Yeah, I don't know. No one could afford Blanca. But a, seriously, a commuter, a commuter town, like, I mean, I would say Matsudo is almost like a commuter town. Um, yeah. You know, Akebane in Saitama. Um, you know, those things, people like like uh, Narimas in Saitama, like people commute in and you get a lot yeah. more for your money in those places. Um, or but- Tokyo, like the, like, you know, when you have all the coup, then you are looking more at those edging, uh, edging coup in Tokyo. Uh, yeah. where you, can, you can get slightly better price, but then when you look at the edging coup <laughs> of Tokyo and then the, the neighboring, uh, city for different mm. prefecture either whether it is saitama or it is chiba you will get the price far better okay and the return i can tell you from really from an investment perspective we've got maybe uh, let's say about a quarter of our customers portfolios are people who wanted to be in and around tokyo and a couple of them ended up finding something attractive in very suburban areas of tokyo but most of them ended up buying in those cities that everyone's just mentioned. So wow. yeah. Yokohama, mm. Kawasaki, Saitama, Chiba, and all of the little satellite towns. I didn't know that. Okay. And, 
and the other thing, but you have to also be aware that, you know, if you're buying a unit like a condo, you're going to have, you know, certain ongoing fees, um, kandihi, like you'd have those fees, and also be aware when you buy something, whether you've got land rights or not. If you have the land rights, that's right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because if, you know, if, if you're, um, you buy into a place, because, you know, for 14, you're going to, you know, you're going to get a slightly older place. If you, you don't, you, you'll, you won't really have much of a say on the, um, uh, on the management of the building, on the yeah. management. And so if they just, and if you don't have land rights, as soon as they decide to pull it down, that's it, your money's done. So if you, so, oh. um, so plus, plus me, the fact that there, I mean, there could be good deals for cash flow if you buy something that's not outright ownership, but they are a bit more tricky. They are a bit trickier to sell down the track value wise and sell wise, right, Emil? Um, yeah, I think we need to take it a step back. We're going into like very specifics of of a, of a investment and what's good, what's not, and they, I think we we've just we've mentioned the key points you need to look for, right? When in terms of investment property, are you know access to downtown mm -hmm. so proximity to a station being close to a station yeah. um and depending on the type of properties be you know you're looking at one room places okay mm -hmm. so it's not going to be expats high high net worth individuals going to be quite cheap maybe more students or people all right well, uh, or first year first year employees or new employees maybe rent might be 50 to eighty thousand yen a month right okay. um is kind of the clientele you're looking at so you can get a property anywhere, okay? Uh, but what you need to consider more is, okay, how much yield do you want? So in general, and I think, you know, Ziv will agree with me on this as well, the newer, fancier, more attractive the building is and more attractive the location is, the lower the rental yield, okay? The, the older, further away, less attractive, it is the higher the rental yield. So if you go to like the, um, you know, country, like, you know, far away in Hokkaido, the countryside of Hokkaido, an old rundown wooden building, you can get one on paper says a 20% annual rental yield. But it's the vacancy is going to be high. Maintenance is going to be a nightmare. The kind of tenants that are paying 25,000 yen, 30,000 yen a month are not very stable individuals in terms yeah. of employment or in every other aspect of their life. Um but hey, you take on the risk because it's a high yield. Um, but it's yeah, that, that's an extreme really, example. It's not really though. <laughs> Sorry, that's not yeah. that's not practical not. yield. Aside from maybe yeah. the two three months after purchase, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like it, it's a complete. Yeah, because exactly because there's not going to be full tenancies and whatnot. That's on paper. It looks like that. But let's take a more real realistic scenario and just one train line from like, be it you know say Shibuya, mm -hmm. right? Or Ibis is a good example, right? Ibis or further out towards like Kamagawa, right? For out on the train line towards, you know, um, maybe Yokohama, for example. Like if if you have the same property getting 200,000 yen a month rent, I'll do you know, like 100,000 yen a month rent. Both of the, both properties are going to be priced at say, um, if the price is the same, 30 million yen, 30 million yen to purchase. Well, as a buyer, you'd say, hold on, I... I can get the same, this rent is both 100,000 yen a month. The cost is the same. I'd rather one in Ibis, not down in Yokohama, because what Ibis is Ibis is the Yamanote line. It's more attractive. You know what? Even if there's a competition to bid up the price, I'm willing to pay 33 million, 34, 35 million, even though the rent is the same because it's Ibis. 
right? Uh, or because the building is brand new. The renters don't care, right? Like if, if it's if it's at the same rent, right? So that's why the more attractive it is, the market, the buyers are willing to pay more for more attractiveness of the building, which means the yield goes down, right? It's just the market dynamic. You can't expect that the identical property getting the same rents or a similar property, similar age will get the same rents and people, the buyers will be comfortable paying the same purchase price. Yeah. No, they, they, they're willing to pay. So that adjusts the yield, which is why the more attractive it is, the newer it is, the same okay. goes with age. Um, the, uh, the more they're willing, a buyer is willing to increase the how much they're willing to pay. So in general, the more attractive the property is, location, age, um, and if, and like you know proximity to station, etc. Then it will be it will get a lower yield because owners are willing to pay a premium for the extra quality of the building and low maintenance headache. Okay. All right, high okay. So that's that's kind of what you need to take. So everyone mentioned earlier great locations, but each of those like. Okay, yeah, you can get a high rental, like anywhere in Tokyo, I think it will be good. What you need to find is, okay, how much are you willing, how much rental yield do you want to get back from this? And what are you considering in terms of the age of the building? Must it be new? No, you know, I'm all right with a 20-year-old building. Maybe. 14 million yen but is not going to get anything new now. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly, right? But yeah, mm -hmm. maybe you want to, are you okay with a 20-year-old building? Nothing older. Okay, and it can, it's all right to be away, but maybe you you can't get anything less than a three and a half percent rental yield. Maybe it must be more than three and a half. Well, then you can't be close to Tokyo. You're going to be a bit, little bit further away. So there's a bunch of dynamics, and that's each person's sort of inherent, you know, that, that becomes a bit emotional and based on your situation. It's like, well, you know, I just want a newer building, right? I want, I want, don't want it to be over a certain age or I'm not willing to accept it. And that's your personal preference. That's why there's no one property for that yeah. matches everyone's sort of needs. It's also, we get a lot of customers who factor the decision based on um, not even the percentage yield, but how much cash in pocket they want to get at the end of every month, right? So mm. that will also mm. dictate what kind of property they get. Okay. So in, in your experience, uh, with that being said, what have been these sort of opportunities within the Tokyo area, and I'm pretty much talking to everybody except Ziv at the moment, sorry, uh, that yield the greatest uh, cash back return. Is that the areas around the Yamanoto line? And is that like Shinjuku? Yeah. Not the oh, best no, cash the, the, return, the, no. That's the other way around. No, no that's a, the so, so the less like, attractive. Yeah, so the further away it is. Wow, that's so fascinating. Yeah, so, so, so it's gonna be maybe 20 minutes from a station, far away, go to Hachioji, and but even not Hachioji station, because that's like a pretty big one, but like one of the other minor non-express stop stations, inconvenient walk from it, low sunlight, like something really unattractive. But the problem is the numbers look okay, but it's harder to rent out. It's harder to sell. Yes. So you, you can get a 7%, even that's a bit hard, but say 7% yield, Sounds but there's got to be lots of unattractive aspects about it that it needs to be sold so low. Right, because if it were in in Shibuya, a nice building that's getting seven percent yield, that will get sold right away in a right fraction away. of a second. Even okay. a five percent yield will get sold right away. 
Um, There's a balance to be struck there. There's a balance that you need to reach. That's why I was mentioning, um, and Tracy and Blanca too were talking about the other cities that are around Tokyo, where they are still attractive enough um, for tenants to give you stable stable occupancy, but the return are going to be slightly higher than you'd get in Tokyo. Yeah. Sense okay, and yeah, that's what's your personal requirement. I, ha- um, I had a uh, yeah, go ahead, Tracy. I was just gonna say, I had a question why the four year plan was that? Was that, I just also wanted to, you know, to, to make sure that you realize that that you can't leverage it like if you can't really leverage equity, right? If you're in, in, a, in a property, so um, it, you know, you were looking at what just using four years, you, you reckon that four years of cash flow would mean that you'd have enough then to, to buy an additional place. Yeah, that, that, that was the assumption. It kind of went back to what you mentioned regarding the fees <clears throat> and learning everything about dealing with the guinea pig first investment. And to use that four years to, to truly understand, like, all right, what mistakes did I make here? How much did I actually make? And is there a better way to do this? So that was just like a, a grace period of just trying to uh, learn the ins and outs of. Uh, the four uh, years will definitely not give you enough money to buy a new pro- another property. It's yeah, be- and experience-wise, you'll probably have a bit of it already after a year or two. I would say it only okay. four years. Yeah. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. You cannot. You cannot count on the fact because I know that. Um, I know in US or abroad, a lot of people would buy a property, they fix it up, they rent it out, they're collecting the rent, and then they use it to leverage to get uh, to get more loan or get a loan and stuff. Uh, uh, Burr method. Beer. Yeah. Yeah. Beer, beer method. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, doesn't yeah, work here. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Japan is a little bit different beast, so you cannot... You know, you cannot you cannot apply. I think the the American system here and think it's gonna work. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And, and and by and by that, not it doesn't work because it like it's a cultural difference. Like the the banks don't give you financing. You can't borrow the equity out of your existing property to buy another property. Mm, mm-hmm. So I like so you kind of asked two questions in one, and your so one. I think we've answered about what just straight up investment investment strategy for a rental apartment being in Tokyo. And I think it's similar dynamics for our other cities everywhere, right? If you're in central, you know, Fukuoka, um, yeah, down there, then then it's going to versus further out from the city, it's going to be a similar dynamic. Okay? okay. However, the that's the investment side of stuff. But I think to be honest, in your case, you say you want to try it as a bit of a test guinea pig to do it like i don't think that's the why that's a necessary approach mm-hmm. like all of a sudden you're putting in a few hundred grand to test something when you, you don't i don't feel the experience you get would would justify the cost of buying a property just as a guinea pig i think you're better off like what the better situation i feel is okay when you live here you will you know, within a few years, be eligible for a loan financing. Okay. So you say your is your wife Japanese? Yeah, she's from Hiroshima. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you have a Japanese wife. So you'll within a year or in a year, you'll be eligible for financing. Okay. So this, and you can borrow maybe like seven times your annual income. Okay, okay. whatever that means. So let's say let's work on the be it five million yen. You can borrow a thirty-five million property if your income is ten million yen. You can borrow a seventy million yen property. So mm-hmm. 
And the bank will give you like pretty much 100% financing, but you might need some closing costs. You might need some extra cash. So that $100,000 is better off going, I feel, towards getting a 70 million, a 40 million yen or a 70 million yen property okay. and using that cash to do the closing costs. Now, all of a sudden, you've got or the same hundred grand that you would have really been, need uh, this much for the closing costs, though. I mean, the, the loans in Japan not, are about a hundred. Oh, not, no, no, not at all. He won't, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of cash, use of cash, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel buying a property in cash is the best option when in a year or so you will have leverage accessible to you. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. um, so. Yeah, so you can still buy. You can still buy a hundred thousand, a ten million yen property, a twenty million, like a hundred thousand dollar property, but you won't need to put your full cash into it. You'll be able to leverage financing because you're a resident here and you're employed and an income here. Okay. Okay. So that that would be that would be the first the first thing I would say. So yeah, you can still purchase an investment property, mm-hmm. but I I think rather than doing it, you know, early on as a a test run. Um, and doing it as a full cash purchase, wait till you get here, and then you can do it as a leverage purchase. I think you'll get how your money you will go up. To, uh, how are you planning to live here for the first couple of years, Garth? Are you going to be renting? Do you have? A, does your wife have a property there that you'll be living in? What, what's the plan for residential for you guys? Yeah, I think initially when we come here, we're going to be just renting out in Yokohama, and um, and that's actually a really good question because we would like to buy our, for lack of better terms, retirement home. Either in um, either in Tokyo, uh, we want like a three bedroom like high rise if possible. Like this is like way down the line. Like I would say like about well, no, 20. but I mean that's that's what Emil was saying. If you're gonna be renting, which means basically throwing money away every month, and mm-hmm. um, the, the wisest use of your time and money would be to make sure that you can get a home loan as soon as possible because the interest rates okay. are close to zero in Japan. And wow. then use oh. that cash of your, or at least, you know, maybe a small part of that cash of yours used towards um, closing costs on that property okay. so that you stop okay. spending money on rent and then start saving towards the investment property and mm-hmm. then potentially maybe getting an investment loan down the track as well. But mm-hmm. not to go for the home loan would be silly if you're going to be renting. Really? Okay. Okay. I'll do that. I'll definitely consider that. Um, I don't think there's benefit in just having a guinea pig property there's no benefit in that I, I, I really don't think the learning you're going to get is going to be super valuable learning like if, if you want to know the numbers the cost yeah. yeah yeah exactly not playing right in the middle like the numbers and cost involved um like ziv has those spreadsheets he's got dozens of properties that he can say oh this is what they're making and this is what to expect <laughs> and these are costs and he's got millions of stories about that and also realistically is you will hand it over to a management company, right? And you'll pay them 5% management fee and one month leasing fee, and you'll actually be hands-off. Um, okay. You know, I got a call for one of my properties. The air conditioner has, has stuffed up, but because it's on the third floor, they got to put scaffolding up. It's like paying 90,000 yen to repair this seven-year-old air con. Um, but, okay, well, then it's, well, okay, we need, to, maybe it's better just to, to replace it. It's still going to cost, it might cost a bit more, but I don't want to keep fixing a seven-year-old aircon. Right, yeah. Right, so, so, but that's that's kind of it. Like, they told me, and I just say, I just say, yep, replace it, that's fine, take the money out of the rent okay. um, the next month or two. And 
and that's all in terms of tenancy they send me a, a letter saying or a message saying look uh um the tenant has is going to move out on this date so we'll do an inspection on that date and then we're going to re-advertise for for people go yeah great do it Emil, then like you know if you after a few weeks these are the two or three applications that we've got from this person this person is you know they work at this company and this is their income this is a family with kids etc and yeah. i'll and, and even then i'll say i won't look i'll say what do you think you've met them right yeah who, what's who your... do you think is a better applicant like who and and they'll advise because they're the rental department it's at our agency we have it we have about a, a thousand properties under management but i actually outsource to them completely as a client like yeah. i don't deal with i don't do any even though i work in the same office i don't do a single bit of of management i get the statements and the, the messages i'm in the same client database that they've got there's no yeah. direct thing for me and because I, I don't want any headache with it and i don't want to deal with it so it's, that's it's the easiest way to do it that way we did the same thing with our property and the company yeah. when you have a management company they they do everything for you and all you do you just get the letter uh, you get the paper every week every month from them with the the statement and you get your money and you don't have to worry about anything so as a, pro- as a property manager myself <laughs> i would say that's what that's my clients they they mostly are out of the country um yeah i mean it's for short-term rental property management exactly the same i just give them yeah. a statement once a month this is what we did this is how much we spent this is your profit and there it is in your bank account Thank you wow. very much. Thanks for doing business. So that's it. And for us working with people like Tracy, if they don't provide that every month, we'll replace them with another one. There are plenty to go around. So. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, um, no, but Emil, exactly yeah, so, what Emil was saying. This is uh, what management should amount to. It should amount to you reviewing a monthly report and being alerted to anything that should be alerted to. And that's it. Absolutely. To be honest, if I wanted to buy an investment property in Tokyo, I would not be looking into long-term rental. I would be looking to buy something Stacey can, uh, Tracy can run for me and, and manage it in long-term, uh, in short-term rental because you get a better uh, better income from that. The if, problem is his budget, though. With $14 million, it's yeah, got to be a condo. Yeah, but you know, you have to, no. the budget and everything, you have to... You have to account for that and whether that uh, building would allow that or not. But definitely better income. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. From- but if the uh, but, but that takes you also into another consideration is when you're buying a property that you might want to use for short-term rentals, whether it's Minpaku or monthly rentals or whatever the case may be, um, the property selection criteria is a bit different. You're no longer okay with very suburban properties because people who yep. rent by the month or by the week, they need to be a lot closer to center. The building cannot be as old as some of the long-term tenants there's would a lot put up to, with. Yeah. There's a lot to look at, but like for me, if I wanted another uh, investment property, I would probably look more into that, especially if I was looking to, to cash in a little bit more. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, us as well. But don't, don't forget, Blanca, that we've already got the safe and stable long-term residential lease investment property. You know, we you can be, then play with the short-term. Be, you shouldn't be on rent. In, and, and this is just my very personal. No, no please. I, I, need, I need this. You shouldn't be paying for rent to somebody and then, you know, putting your money into into properties that you may or may not get money out of and stuff, you know, 
kind of I, I always I'm a believer in having a roof over your head first. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. Sorry. Get the legs to stand on first and then go because, and yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Because you never know what can happen. Right. You and so you need to know you have to make sure you have a roof over your head. Uh, okay. Okay. And, so focus on that first. You know, focus on having, even if it's small, you know, we, me and my husband, we started from a, a small three-bedroom uh, apartment and older, we bought an older mansion, we renovated it. And then, you know, when we had some kind of a stand, then we bought a house. All right. Now, if you've been following this podcast for a while, and in particular our J-Rep sessions, you're probably more than familiar with Blanca Kobayashi of Arc Reform. They're a bilingual renovation company serving clients in the Kanagawa and Kanto area. So Tokyo, Chiba, Saitama, Kawasaki, Yokohama. They can handle simple, small-scale projects as well as full house renovations. And they will work with you on the perfect design for your dream family home. But not only homes, Arc Reform also handle commercial property renovations, offices, restaurants, bars, shops, you name it, from traditional classics to the latest trends in interior design and renovations. So you want to email them for a free consultation and quote at info at arcreform.com. That's A-R-K reform, all one word, dot com, and give your home or commercial space the love and care that it deserves. All right. And then, then you know, we moved the, you know, kind of increased the portfolio from there. But okay. even if you start from a smaller apartment for yourself, you have a roof over your head. You don't have to worry about anything. You know, you can you can budget whatever income you have and budget with that. And then with the help of Emil or, you know, somebody like Emil, you get, you'll get a no, lawyer. definitely me. Of course you. Of course you. <laughs> no, but she's right. He's all like me. Same for us. I'm going to be sharing all this information and then he hires somebody else. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. It happens. We it don't, happens. Um, we personally haven't been taking out loans um, to date, us as a family, I mean, but we yeah. also had savings and cash that we could use to buy either an investment property or a place to live. Okay. And the, um, the only times we've rented was if we weren't sure where exactly we want to buy and we want to experience the area first. So we'd rent for a few months or up to a year. Okay, um, but not beyond that. Beyond that is just throwing money away. If you got yeah. the cash to put towards a home loan or a property, I would definitely get your own self mm. uh, sorted out first. I I took a long time to buy my place because I just didn't think I you know I was too busy working, paying rent, thinking that I was as a as a self employed person I wasn't eligible for a home loan. And it wasn't until push came to shove that I actually went and started investigating. And yeah, it was. Um, more, like the finance was more accessible than I, than I thought it was going to be. So that was a surprise to me. I probably rented maybe five years longer than I should have. So oh, wow. Because it's wow. a common misconception uh, that you cannot get a uh, loan as a uh, self-employed. Or as the only exception would be like if your funds can actually generate a higher income that you'll be, you'll be paying for in rent then mm-hmm. it might make sense to rent something smaller and spend your money on something that generates more than that amount. But it's mm-hmm. rare to find a deal like that. And it's rare that you'll want to live in a place that's small and miserable. So I wouldn't. The wouldn't loans in Japan are so cheap that um, I recommend everybody to get a loan. <laughs> really? Are they that? They, I'm, I remember uh, talking about the interest rates are pretty non-existent. Wow. It's, 
below 1%, right? Point... Yeah, that's a mule's forte, but yeah, they're very low. Very wow. low. Yes. It's like 5.8. <clears throat> so um, we uh, generally, so if you have like to Japanese wife, you'll be 0.65%. Wow. Your, Which is yeah, it's a zero negligible, yeah, right? 0.65%, yeah, negligible, yeah. Basically, your, mm. you know, 85% of your mortgage repayment is principal. Okay. And 15% okay. Is, is interest. So generally, like, there's, there's three, I think this conversation, we've had three parts, right? Buying your own home, I think, is definitely the first, in terms of wealth management, mm -hmm. buying your own home is the first good step before buying an investment because you you're you are kind of become your own tenants the rent you're paying is the same as the rent you know is now becoming your own going to paying off the, the principal but the benefit is that you have great financing and interest is almost zero mm -hmm. okay oh hey max <laughs> uh, interest is almost zero so you're getting a great deal okay an investment property someone else is paying the rent but either it's not leveraged right so it's 100% your money or it's leveraged, but you're paying, you put 20% down and your interest rate is maybe 2% to 3% for an investment loan. Okay. So all of a sudden you can get a property. Um, all of a sudden you can get an, in, if you think of buying your own place is you've got hundred percent financing, almost no money down at seven times what your annual income is. So significantly more than what you can get for an investment property, but the interest rate is much lower. Okay. All right. So, so it's, it's a better deal than an investment property. And also you're your own tenants, but you're right. going to need a place to live. So you can be confident that you're going to be paying the rent and you're going to be taking care of the property. Right. Right. And there are other, there are other tax incentives to owning your own property. And also when you resell it, um, okay you know, the, the tax, the tax breaks you get on capital gains, for example, then the next step is, yeah, buying an investment property, I feel would leverage is a good option because that just makes your money go, go further. And Japan right. is quite a stable in terms of property prices and rental, I feel is quite stable. Okay. okay. And then, um, you know, cash only purchases are also, um, are also good. Right. Mm -hmm. And that depends a lot on your personal needs. So that's in terms of prop my, my, how I view property purchasing. In, oh, in Japan, okay. then, but I kind of want to think. You know, we go back to your discuss your question about well, you becoming an agent. So one of it is the property purchase is relevant to sort of anyone, right? Who's interested in in real estate or living in Japan, okay? But now, in terms of your consideration, for, okay, what you need to become a, a a proficient agent in Tokyo or in in Japan anywhere, is I feel. A big one is you need to go out, like most of the work that you're going to do is you're going to meet clients. So basically how to find clients. If you work with an agency, a lot of times that they will provide you the client, the inquiries, the leads, and you need to follow up and, and do the viewings and whatnot with them. Um, or now with the way social media is, you can also generate your own lead. Go okay. There we All go. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. So you, you can generate your own lead, but basically meeting people, getting leads, and then seeing what they're interested in and finding properties, arranging to take them to viewings and showing them. You need to know Japanese to a proficient enough level that you can engage with the seller side. Okay, call the seller's agent 
check if the property is available, um, schedule a viewing, send a fax with your information because we need to fax, um, and to discuss with them, you know, uh, all, all that, that sort of stuff and then basic negotiation about, okay, is a, is a seller flexible on price? What, what are you willing to do? When's a timeline? We want to make an offer, et cetera. Um, in my case, I deal with the banks directly. So I call the, the Japanese banks and loan officers and, and schedule things and arrange all the paperwork. Um, again, this is pretty, because it's a finite world, although it feels like complex language, it's going to be the same language all the time. Gotcha. So once you have basic conversation language, to learn some of the key words and expressions you need to use for financing and, and real estate is quite is not going to be sort of too extreme. Okay. And you don't have to worry about Keigo. To be honest, one of the benefits about being a foreigner in Japan is the, the Japanese don't have, as long as you can communicate, if you make a, you know, a, a bit of a faux pas in terms of your Keigo and respectful language, honorific language, you won't get shut down. If a Japanese person doesn't speak in Keigo, they're going to be, they'll, another Japanese will think, what the I hell is this person rude? By an, I was scolded by an accountant on email once because I forgot to add son to his name. So there are exceptions, but generally speaking, yes, they do give you okay. uh, the leave. And are you still using that accountant? I, I No, it, it was close to having a relationship, <laughs> which never happened after that yet. <laughs> You're going to tell me off. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, so, that's, yeah, so I think like just, yeah, you just need to have that kind of skill set to be able to, in, like, in terms of language, be able to communicate right. with the Japanese part of the of the um, uh, of the deal of the transaction, and also within your own office. Chances are there'll be some Japanese staff that don't have great English and will, you know, want to do a bit of Japanese and English discussion back and forth. Mm -hmm. okay. okay, okay. You need to have decent proficiency in Japanese, but you don't need to be level one. Like that's not the deal breaker for you because most of the work and most of the sales will be in English. Okay. But the, but then being able to understand clients' requirements and being good at finding properties, which means having a good understanding of the lay of the land. And then as you go out and view properties, you'll understand what works, what looks good, what doesn't work. And that's kind of experience that you'll get. Okay. And I feel that's in terms of being a good agent, that's, the skill set you need. Not, I have licensed this. I have Japanese, you know, um, the N one level, and that that's that's not. I, I don't think you need to stress about that. Okay. Okay. There's, there's a ton of there's a ton of like ways that you can work in and around the real estate industry without actually being a real estate agent as well. There's a ton of you know where just an example of the just the the, the breadth of of the of what's what's out there so finding what really lights you up as well um you know rather than sort of just setting saying oh, i'm going to be a real estate agent well you know there's figure out what what it is that about real estate that you really like and you can really pursue that um you don't have to follow anyone anyone else's path um and i think that's the that's our that's our privilege as foreigners. We can we can do that. Um, so yeah, don't feel like you have to lock yourself into any particular path, um, and just uh, just get here, boots on the ground, and um, and and have fun. That's okay. very true. You'll notice that everyone, each and every one of us here on this call, um, and most of us have been at it for a good few years. We're all we all ended up in exactly the niche that we enjoy operating in and i think that's the reason why we've got this longevity and and actually are are making it is because we're not just going generic we're owning the mm -hmm. niche and we're happy that we're happy with it 
Because mm. because there's there's a ton. Of, I mean, and you know, obviously there's what there's the people that you see here, but you know, I know other people who work in other parts of real estate in the real estate. You know, there's student accommodations. There's um, you know, homestay commercial there's, there's space, ton, land development, so land much. development, engineering. There's a ton of things that are out there um and uh that you don't really have to sort of box yourself in yeah okay. so just and before you come here a lot of things might change mm-hmm. you might change yeah so you know i mean it's great to plan what you want to do in eight years but you don't know how you're going to feel in in a year or two years or in five years time so oh they're moving here soon he said no Gar. Huh? i'm sorry you said you're moving here soon right yeah, so we're headed back there uh, June of 2025. So I'll be, oh, 25. Okay, no, the blank is yeah. right. Who knows what will happen by then? Yeah, but, but I'm only going to be... Don't okay. kind of box, don't limit yourself, you know. Don't okay. limit yourself because things might change. You don't know how you're going to feel about that. So just keep keep your options and your eyes open. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Because... I mean, I know people who work here and they work in construction, they work in like carpentry, they work as um, handymen, they work, you know, my husband has started up a new job as like as a house remover. So there's a whole bunch of different stuff that, that you, you you just don't know until you get here. So, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. That, that, that it's brings amazing me to a different, different question. Though. Garth, if you're only coming here in 2025, is your money making you money until then? What are you... Where, where good is your question, Ziv. Yes, good question, uh, Ziv. Uh, that is a good question. Uh, so, I, not maybe not necessarily. I think, uh, like, I didn't. I know there's an option, and hopefully, this is the path you're going down. I know there's an option to invest in properties from an overseas location. I know that's an option, but um, I didn't want to get invest my, in Japan. Yeah, you can. That's most yeah. of our customers. That's definitely doable. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't want to get my. I guess I didn't want to get my hands dirty until I was actually there permanently. Cause I'm, I'm kind of like going back to what Blanca said. Like I, I had this tunnel vision towards Japan, but like going back to what she was mentioning, maybe I should just keep my eyes open too. And have my peripheral vision open. Um, I didn't want to make any serious moves until I was there uh, within uh, the next couple of years. So I didn't No, But I mean, at least lock it away in something that's gaining a little bit of interest for the, if you're not going to be getting your hands dirty for the next two, two and a half years, just make sure that it's not just sitting there losing value. Yep. That's what I'm. Yeah. Don't keep it in the bank. You know, <laughs> like it, you, whether it's in Japan or whether it's where you are or whether yeah. it's, you know, with a, with a different financial product, make sure your money is working for you now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I have a couple of investments, but it's nothing like uh, substantial like properties or anything. It's like, you know, stock market stuff and IRAs. But that's, and stuff like well, that. if they're doing well, why don't you put more? Yeah, that's what I've got. To, I've got those two. Mm. Yeah, I've got those two, um, you know. Because um, uh, that's liquid. I mean, you can yeah. take it out just before you move, right? That's mm. true. That's true. Yeah, I'll definitely. And then, uh, yeah. Oh, what's up in the middle? I, I see you. Uh, I see you smiling. Yeah, that will. Well, you know, I think like uh, so. The flip card is like it's historic low Japanese yen, right? Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I can't speculate, but you know, converting and or you know, now you, you I get lots of inquiries from Americans now trying to buy. Your know, dollars are buying Tokyo a, a lot more yen because at the moment, yes, it's a twenty five percent discount over for the past twelve months. Mm, yeah. So yeah. what was uh, you know. Um, what would buy you like a, a, a 10 million property was, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. 
now you can get the same property for eighty thousand dollars us wow. well that's the right? reason he so, has 14 million to invest now it's not going to be 14 million potentially i mean we don't know but it might not be 14 million yeah. in, in a year or two yeah exactly and so because it's historically low it's like i will will it still be this high in three years time mm-hmm. uh, when you mm-hmm. come um and the the other thing uh, to keep in mind as well is in the real estate business is okay you have a wife and a child yeah, I have two kids. Uh, my son is nine, and my daughter is uh, seven. Two kids? How old are you? Jesus, you look like you're 21. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm 35. I thought that as well. Yeah. No <laughs> shit. Okay. Yeah, 35. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Use lotion. Geez, someone's got jeans <laughs> on him. Jesus. <laughs> How old are the kids? How old are the kids? My son is uh, nine, and my daughter's seven. Yeah. So, the same yeah, as mine. I just want to go back to Japan so bad. Like I miss <laughs> so many so people bad. think that way. Yeah, mm. I, I get it. Like I never left. Oh, <laughs> I came. I like, but, but, but Emil, sorry, home. Emil makes a good. I'll. We'll, we'll <laughs> also need to start wrapping up soon. But Emil, Emil right. makes a good point that um, if you are going to be investing the funds that you've accrued over time in something, even if it's temporary, um, somehow tying it into the yen is not a bad idea, whether it's property or anything else. So there's a bit of an argument there for not sitting on your hands until you actually move here. Okay, okay. Yeah, so now that we're running out of time, I guess my last question is, and this is pretty much for everyone, like uh, what are what is something that you've learned in your experience within these past couple of years have, has really, I guess, um, it, it like helped us really assisted you in the real estate industry? like. Maybe it was some sort of skill that you learned recently or like an advantage that you picked up dealing with a client or something that a mistake you've made previously that, man, if I could go back, I wish I could correct. Was there anything in your recent uh, years that you've learned? We can start off with Ziv. Um, With me, I think, I don't know if it's any particular thing. Like I made a few, a couple of silly mistakes when I just started out, not so many over the years since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if there's anything I've learned over time, and that's maybe more related to general business than real estate specifically, but it definitely applies to real estate, is to, um, it's kind of ca- counterintuitive, but on the one hand, to broaden my horizons, to look at stuff that I haven't thought about when I started out. So when we started out, we were all about super cheap, super old, super high yield investment properties of up to 50,000 bucks. And we've done that for like two, three years. And that's all that we did and all that we recommended to our clients. And opening up to other types of real estate investments um, has helped me a lot um, to, to diversify and to find people who will partner with me that are not interested in one thing, but are interested in other things. So keeping you know all options open and, and just keeping myself open to new ideas. And on the other hand, also, narrowing down the things that I say yes to um, just in the sense that it over time, you can kind of sniff out mistakes that you made in the past and deals that are too good to be true. And people that talk in a way that, you know, kind of lets you get clued onto the fact that you might not want to work with them. So if it makes sense, like keep your ears and eyes a lot more open than you'd think. Like, for example, you mentioned Tokyo, this kind of deal, this kind of budget, let's just, Keep your options open. Don't don't laser focus on one thing. And yeah. the other the other thing will just come with time. I think you'll learn what to say no to a lot quicker. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. I, I was going to piggyback on that and say what I've learned, and I, through, definitely through the pandemic, is uh, to 
really just mix it up in terms of who you hang out with, who you speak with, like the education that you do. Um, so, you know, before the pandemic, I was like all short-term rental all the time. That's all I did. That's all I, that's all I focused on that. And I was very kind of siloed, very, you know, just focusing on my business and, um, and I just thought that was the, the, the way I was doing it was the only way possible. And then the pandemic hit and I, it was forced me to look outside of Japan um, to, and to connect with other people who were doing the same sort of things around the world. And I've learned so much on systems and processes, um, software, um, a whole bunch of, you know, and hospitality standards and a whole bunch of things that I thought I knew and actually now I know better. So that was really it. And, you know, just, and also just diversifying who you hang out with as well. Like, you know, we, we're all in real estate, but we're all in different parts of real estate. So I've really gained a lot from hanging out with the, the people you see on the screen here. So it's been fun. Mm. Awesome. I would say for me, I honestly wish that, you know, those 10, 15 years ago that we, did not look so much into Tokyo at that point. Because We're all the same thing, you know? Like, listen, you know what? Look at uh, all options, yeah. We bought, we bought our, like, our Matsudo apartment, the first one we bought in 2006. And at this point, I really wish we bought more. Or we even went to Saitama in some parts because at that point, they were literally giving land for free just you know if you bought it and then all of a sudden you know ikea when the uh costco all these things grew in those area and the land and the property uh or like otakanomori right now is the fastest growing area in in kanto i believe mm -hmm. and and the land cost zero zero nothing 10 years ago so uh, that's why we are telling you really do not just focus on one place. If you do, I really wish we put more uh, and uh, more investments into the rural areas at that point, because right now all those rural areas are starting to boom and grow. And those people that they bought some properties or they had properties there at that time, right now they can get really good return on their investment. So for me, it's really kind of looking for looking looking for opportunities that are a little bit further than it's just what is right in for your eyes. Awesome. Okay. That's okay. definitely like just don't Very focus. Oh, yeah. Tokyo, Tokyo boy, or um, you know, I believe yeah. that in Yokohama you will find areas that are very good, reasonable right now, or Kawasaki. You will find places that are good, but Kawasaki. they have they have potentials, you know, so, but honestly. We, we like, pounce, when we see a deal coming out of Kawasaki, we pounce like there's no tomorrow. There's not many of them. I wow. still believe that Saitama has a good potential, but that's just me, maybe. Mm. I think Saitama has a good potential to to go and, you know, grow more because there are things going, going there. So, um, you know, look into those things. But. Right now, if you are not there, uh, I think the best advice the guys gave you is tie your money to, to yen right now so you can actually get something out of it. Don't sit on it and think that you will get the same thing out of it in five years. You won't. Mm -hmm. This is the time. Okay. Okay. Thank yeah. you so much. Neil, you got anything? I do. In terms of the, uh, you know, the, the real estate 
the agent side, um, it's very important to focus on having the client's best interest in mind always. And and that's that's always a the pretty thing to say, but you notice it's no, true. but that, that already that, especially that puts you at the one percent of the of the professionals working in real estate. Yeah. When I work with agents that don't do that, like they just care about their their commissions and maximizing their commissions, it's it's painful because they do it at the cost of their clients. So you know, it, sometimes when we have prop like. If I have two properties I want to sell, because com agents' commissions are based on the, the value of the property. So in terms of commission, I'll get more for selling an 80 million yen property than a 60 million yen property, right? The commission is just higher. But it's I a lot of times like I'll gladly say no to a property. Like I'll gladly say what I dislike about a property to a to a, a client. Because if I think it's a concern point for them that where they raise their family, it's like I don't want them just to buy any property, especially if I that that they may not be happy in. Yeah. Right. I'd rather let them know and then they can make the decision. But I try to be as clear and transparent as possible about my opinions about certain properties. That way when they find the property they like, even if it is a cheaper one, right? Not the more expensive one, um, that they're happy and they're happy with my service because Actually, a lot of my work, I, I make more from the referrals and the word of mouth and the confidence that everyone has about saying, oh, yeah, Emil's actually, you know, use Emil, please use him. Like, I get a lot of that. And okay. because working with foreigners is a bit of a niche, okay, um, the community is small. So being the honest person who has the client's best interest in mind actually goes a long way. Um, and so net long-term over many years, you're going to get more value, like in financial, more financially more value, plus also it feels right by being honest um, and having your client's best interest, best mind of heart, rather than the short-term monetary goal. I think you'd do that anyway, but sometimes it's, it's hard because there are two properties and the client likes both. Um, and one, like there's maybe a 10 or 20 million difference in price. Just the numbers make you feel like, ah, oh, you kind of want to edge them on to be this one. And you need to kind of refrain and go, no, you know, like that's, I shouldn't allow the, the commissions to cloud your judgment. Um, so, and it's insignificant, right? It's, oh, you know, 500,000, yeah, 600,000 in difference in commission. So, so that's, wow. I, I think that that's very important. Always do it because in the long term, you being clear and stepping back from that, letting them decide, not being pushy. Because the clients can sense you're pushy. And there's a chance that the clients may still decide on the more expensive one. Yeah, just so all you've done is being pushy and you yeah, you said, yeah. So it's it's not in best interest. It doesn't make you feel good um at the end of the day as well. So that that's my thing. Always have the client like genuine client's best interest uh at heart. I think it's deal. um We've all given you bits of advice that don't really have that much to do with real estate, but they definitely all apply. Yeah, I think this was perfect. This is exactly what I needed. I, it was it was a serious wake up call that um, it's very very sobering uh, that I need to finally kind of shift my focus from just jumping into investments to kind of taking a step back and being like, all right, what's the landscape? Maybe focusing on getting your house first. And then maybe you can transition later on down the line to uh, investments. So I really appreciated this. Thank you so much. Like, uh, it's so cool seeing you guys in person in real life. Like, <laughs> seeing you guys on YouTube. Like, 
I'm like always having my notebook on YouTube and I'm like listening in. <laughs> yeah. I like your style. Will, um, your enthusiasm, man. I'll send you this video as well, like the raw cut of this video. So before it goes up on, on YouTube. So okay, mm. take a few months, but so yeah, we'll get there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, but that's all I had. I don't want to take too much of your time. And uh, please have no, a great No, fantastic. Day. It was great having you, man. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks Thank so you. Much. All right. All right. Anyway, we'll speak to you. See you also. See you guys. Bye. 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 Wow, that was a really good session. I, I really enjoyed that one. Hope you did as well. Um, I love how we've managed to discuss such a wide gamut of topics, generally focused around real estate in Japan, but also going beyond that. So pretty awesome nuggets of advice there from our panel members, I thought. Awesome stuff. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku! Yoroshiku!